0: Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome. Uh, Really, really glad that you have joined us. If you were sent this link and you're new. uh, Thanks. All right. We are uh, in a series called the most famous stories of love. But we also have this theme for this year, and the theme is love matters most. And the theme comes from this conversation that Jesus had with a lawyer. And the lawyer basically asked, what's the most important rule? And Jesus says, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's what you are to do. And so we've been focusing on that uh, throughout the year. And in this series, you know, we've been looking at these famous stories of love in the Bible. And what's interesting is we keep going back to not how we are supposed to love, but how God loves us. And the reason is you can only give what you have received. And the more you receive and understand the love of God, the more you are able to love God and love your neighbor. It's like this picture. If we are like this empty glass and you need to be filled with love before you can give love. And so that's what we're trying to do throughout all these stories. And of course, human beings, we are notorious for looking for love in all the wrong places. Because if we are empty, we are desperate for love. I am reminded of a story when I, when I was a kid, when I, I don't know, I was probably seven or eight years old and uh, we were out with my Little League team. We were supposed to canvas neighborhoods and try to raise money for the Little League team. And so we're out there and it was really hot and I was really thirsty and I didn't know really how to ask somebody to Get some water. And I remember uh, walking down the street and letting the guys walk ahead of me. And I looked and I, you know, it had rained the night before and there was a puddle there in the uh, on the street. And I looked around and I got down on all fours and I drank from that puddle. I can still kind of taste the, the oily taste and it's nasty. But if you're thirsty enough, You'll drink from anything. And that's why so many of us end up looking for love in all the wrong places, because we are desperate for love. And so in this series, we are trying to look to the right source for love, the the source that you and I were made for. All right. Last week, we looked at this story in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus tells. And it's uh it's referred to as the story of the prodigal son. And it's such a great story. Uh, this young man goes to his father and he tells his father he wants his share of the inheritance. It's kind of like he is telling his father, I want to live as if you were already dead. I want your stuff, but I don't want you. And the father, surprisingly enough, gives him his share of the inheritance, and that young man goes out and he spends it on wild living till he has nothing left. And then it says that he came to his senses and turned and went back to his father. And his father sees him from a long way off and runs to him and wraps his arms around him and shouts orders for this feast to be thrown because his son who was lost has been found. His son who was dead is alive. It's such a great story. But the story doesn't end there because the story is about two sons. And I told you before that that Jesus is talking to this crowd of people that's kind of neatly divided between religious and irreligious, between good and bad. And so Jesus tells a story with two sons. And I've told you this before, that whenever Jesus tells a story with two people in it, you're one of those people. So look for yourself. So if last week, if you did not identify with the prodigal son, this week's for you. we pick up the story in Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 25, and this is what it says. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is God's word, and it's true. All right, I have three, uh, three points, and these are my three points. What did the older son do? Why did he do it, and is there hope for older sons? What did the older son do? Why did he do it? And is there hope for older sons? Okay, what did the older son do? So the younger son comes home, right? And the father is so excited, he decides to throw a feast. This just isn't any feast. This is a feast for the whole town. This is the best day of the father's life. And the older son hears about it, and he won't go in. And when his father comes out to say, what, why won't you come in to the party? The older son is livid. He is angry. He doesn't want anything to do with his father or with his family. You know, it's, it's interesting what is going on here. You know, uh, last week I told you that the prodigal son, you know, he wanted the father's stuff but not the father. And I said that that is kind of the the story of the human race, that in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, what happens is God creates Adam and Eve, and then he creates an entire world just designed for them. And they say basically to God, thanks very much. You can go now because we have what we want. And now we have this, the second story with another son. Does that mean that there's another story to the human race? My answer is yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, imagine you have two kids, right? And and uh, one of your kids, you have this uh, this jar of candy up in your pantry. We have this for our grandkids. But let's say one of your kids is the kind of kid that uh, you, you've told them you can only have candy when we ask and not before dinner and all that. And you have one kid, though, that uh, When you're not around, pulls a chair up, climbs up up of his chair, grabs what he wants. And you just find wrappers in weird places. And uh, I might have been that kind of kid. And then you have your other child who uh, doesn't do that. Your other child comes to you and says, Hey, uh, I cleaned my room. I picked up my clothes. I put them in the hamper. I even brought the hamper downstairs. Now can I have some candy? And you say to your other child, oh, listen, I'm glad you did what you were supposed to do, but you can't have any candy before dinner. And that child stomps his feet and walks away sulking. What's going on? You have two kids. They both want the same thing. They're just using different tactics, right? Same idea, same goal, same heart, different strategy. So this older son decides he wants what the father has, not unlike the younger son. They have the same heart, but the younger son just took it and went. The older son is doing all the right things, but he's not doing them for the father, He's done them for himself to get the father's stuff. That's what the older son did. Now the question is, why did he do it? Why did he do what he did? One of the things when you read the story that is striking is when the younger son comes back, the older son is not just frustrated with his brother. He is angry. He is livid with his dad, and the question is why. When the younger son comes back, <clears throat> the younger son doesn't expect anything, right? He doesn't. He not ask for his own room back. He doesn't ask for clothes. He doesn't. He knows he doesn't deserve anything, and what the father does for him is just unbelievable because he wraps him in new clothes and he gives him his room and he gives him the signet ring and all that. And it's all what the Bible calls grace. And there's nothing quite like grace, right? Uh, I know we're like most of you, my wife and I. were uh, During this time, we've been looking at trying to watch things on Netflix and find different shows to watch. And one of the shows we like watching is called Undercover Boss. And I don't know if you've ever seen this show. It's like a CEO or owner of a company goes undercover, you know, puts on makeup and he tries to, or she tries to see what's going on in the company. At the end of the show, there's always a time where the boss sits with an employee and the boss says something like, you know, you told me something about your family and I want to give you $10,000 to care for your mom. And the person just goes, no, right? And then then the boss will say, And I want to give you $20,000 to start a college fund for your kids. And I want to give you a new car. And it just keeps on piling up until the, the, the employee finally cracks and begins to sob. Those are the best times. Because it's so overwhelming, they realize that it's nothing but grace that is coming at them. And there's nothing quite like it. But the older son, this older son, He doesn't want grace. He doesn't even like grace. He just wants what he feels like is his due. He wants a paycheck. Look what he says to his father. He says, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. He's saying, I deserve better than this. You owe me. And so when he sees his younger brother receiving grace, it just makes him mad. This is one of the biggest dangers with being a good person, a good churchgoer, even a good Christian, is that it's so easy to start to feel like somehow you have become such a good person that God owes you. And it's no longer grace. Some of you know my story. Uh, when I was 18, went away to college. I went to University of South Florida. And I don't know if I was very well prepared just inside myself. I was a little naive. And I ended up... Uh, kind of being a lot like the younger son in the story where I ended up, you know, in my own little pigsty and looking for love in all the wrong places, drinking out of dirty puddles. And when I finally uh, came to my senses, I got in my car and was on a drive from Tampa, Florida, to Orlando when I just asked God if I could come home. It really was a story very much like the story in Luke chapter 15. And what I felt at that moment was like my father in heaven ran to me as soon as I said, I want to come home. And he wrapped his arms around me. And I have never felt anything quite like that. And that's why I decided to drop out of South Florida, go to work, earn some money, and then start my journey to get into the ministry, to do this, to tell people about this God who loves us so. About seven years into ministry, uh, my little brother was living with us, with my wife, Karen, and me for the summer. And he ended up getting in a motorcycle uh, accident and he was killed and I was uh, wrecked, right? Uh, And that's understandable but I was also angry. I was livid. And the reason is because for seven years, uh, after that experience with God, actually it was about nine years, I had completely changed. I had become a much better person than I was when I was at South Florida. Every day I would wake up to learn about God, to serve Him, to tell others about God. And I felt like I was doing pretty well. And then this happened. What's interesting is When I was at South Florida, and I was living like the prodigal son, when bad things happened to me, I would get down, but I would never get angry with God. I was just indifferent toward God. But now that I was in ministry, when something bad happened to me, then I got angry with God, because I had forgotten it was grace, and I began to demand a paycheck to think that God deserved to that I deserve to be treated better by God you know in this story in Luke chapter 15 one of the saddest things is I read you all the way to the end of the story at the end of the story the older brothers outside the party we don't know if he ever made it back in and that brings me to the third point is there hope for older brothers older sons like me maybe like you You know, in the the story of the prodigal son, the turning point for him was this verse where it says, and he came to his senses, and he came to his senses. What that younger son did is he looked at himself and he saw what he was, and then he thought about his father and what his father was really like. And that's when he turned to come home. The Bible calls that repentance. And just like it's just one story, right? The story of humanity, moving away from God, wanting God's stuff, but not God. This is one story with one solution. So the solution for the younger son and coming to his senses is the same solution for the older son. He needs to come to his senses. Maybe the best illustration of that is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul used to go by the name of Saul, and when he was Saul, he was a really good person. Boy, he kept the rules. He was the son who made his bed, who put his clothes in the hamper, brought the hamper down, did everything right, and he was pretty sharp around the edges, and he was pretty angry, and When he saw grace, when he saw people who claimed that God had forgiven them through Jesus, it just made him mad. Until he had this experience on the road to Damascus where he met Jesus. It was like Paul came to his senses. He took a good look at himself and realized that he wasn't nearly as good as he thought he was. And then he got a glimpse of God. And the way he had never seen God before. And then he experienced grace. And that utterly and completely changed him. When you read about Paul and his life after that, he goes through some incredibly difficult things, but he never gets mad. He never gets angry at God because he realizes that it's all grace. And that he doesn't want a paycheck from God because it wouldn't be what he thought it would be. It would be bad. And Paul lived by grace. I spent two years after my little brother died outside the party, angry with God, and finally I got tired and I missed God. And I finally came to my senses and I turned and asked God if he would forgive me for demanding paycheck for acting like i deserve to be treated better and you know what as soon as i turned it wasn't like god was far away it was like he was right there always waiting always right there and saying i've been waiting for you to just just to turn so he could wrap his arms around me like he did when i was the prodigal He wrapped his arms around me even when I was the older son and brought me in. Because God is all about grace. So there's always hope. There's hope for you if you are the prodigal son and you have run far away from God. There's hope for you if you're the older son who's tried to do everything right, and you find yourselves angry with God because of something that's happened to you, there is hope for you. And all you have to do is turn to this Father who is longing to wrap you in his arms and welcome you home. Because for this God, and for us, love matters most. Let's worship now.